1: and we're back. Another episode of Start a Puzzle. Matt DeCoursey here with Matt Watson.
0: What's I'm going at- on, man? Well, a lot of stuff. Is this a big deal?
1: Kind of. I mean, I don't know if if, it is, if it's a big deal to everyone listening, but this is the 200th episode of Start a Puzzle.
0: That's insane to think about.
1: I know. This is also going to come out on Halloween, and I am not wearing a costume right now, are you?
0: Really on Halloween? Yeah.
1: I'm dressed up as an entrepreneur today, which means I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Oh,
0: I didn't know I needed to dress up.
1: Yeah. I mean Should people I?
0: would have loved to have seen that on the podcast. Yeah, because you can definitely get a good <laughs> purview. I guess you could. You could certainly on watch YouTube, it. On yeah. YouTube. Because you can watch this yeah. on YouTube. So whether there's a fly. Flying around. I know,
1: right I saw that. I'm like trying to like stay focused on what I'm trying to do. And there's a big, big ass fly that's like circling around everything in here. So, hello, the fly. And now it's around me. The fly is not our guest today. So, here on episode 200, we are the guests. Yeah. We have made it 200 episodes into this. We have profiled all kinds of businesses. And you know what? Let's talk about that for a second. 200, man. 200 of these things.
0: How many guests do you think we've had? 150?
1: Uh, Maybe close. Close. You know, in the early early days, we did a lot of these with just you and I. Yeah. And I haven't even gone back and counted. You know, since we, uh, around episode 80, probably, we started becoming more guest-centric and profiling a lot of subjects that were related directly to their business. And there's one thing we haven't done ever along the way is talk about the business that we own. Yeah. I mean, we've mentioned it, you know, we like to say that much like every other episode, today's episode is brought to you by fullscale.io, yeah. but we've never really talked about the business and, you know, amidst, um, starting the podcast, I think it was in about the third month that we had been doing the podcast. We started what later became full scale. And I think it's a pretty impressive business story. Um,
0: it's pretty insane. I mean, it was sort yeah. of an accidental business, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're going to talk all about that and talk about what some of the uh, the ups and the downs and, you know, it's been, a, it's been kind of a wild ride. So much like many things I have done in the past, the business that I'm now working out and putting most of my focus into was somewhat accidental. And I joke with that because, you know, the, the ticket business I started that I wrote about in million dollar bedroom was definitely an accident. I wasn't trying to start that business, but on, in some ways uh, what we do in full scale started a few months after that, as I hired some people in the Philippines and that was in 2009, man, that was 10 years ago. That is crazy. Yeah. So we Ten had years. I know. So
0: and for the first nine years, you never even went to the Philippines.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. That's the crazy part too. And you know, I, I, uh, we'll go back, you know, just briefly touch on that. Cause it is relevant to the story. So in 2009, I basically accidentally started a business as a ticket broker. And along the, along that path, I wanted to, I was trying to build a, um, you know, build some websites that bought and sold tickets. And I had a, um, a local developer that was working with.net and he had run into some snag and, you know, just to kind of keep a long story short, He kept telling me, he's like, you need a PHP developer. And I said, okay, cool. Well, let's go find one. Now, 10 years ago, that was a tough ask here in the United States. There just weren't a lot of people that had done that. And
0: I asked him. Not in Kansas City, for sure. Oh, I was in Indianapolis at the time,
1: but still close enough in the Midwest. So it wasn't something that was really prevalent. And I asked him why. and He said, well, everyone here grew up doing something else. I said, well, that's an easy fix. We need to go figure out where everyone grew up doing PHP. I was trying to build a a website that regenerated itself based on database tables. And that was best done with PHP at the time. So, and I was like, he was like, okay, well, that's not going to be in the United States or you're going to end up paying huge money. So I did a little bit of research and, um, and, and found that India or the Philippines were the likely places that I would find these developers. So, I didn't know anyone in India and I knew someone who's, uh, there was a Filipino family that ran a local cleaning service and they had been cleaning my parents' house at that point for like 10 years, a guy named Del Rivera and Del, um, had always left a great impression on me. He was very upbeat. He always had a big smile on his face Very hardworking guy. So I called him up and I said, Del, I need to hire some computer programmers. And he said, well, Matt, you know, I run a cleaning service, right?
0: <laughs>
1: um, so but I, I need clean code, man. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know what that was at that point. So, Oh, I thought I had the fly. The oh. fly a fly might die during this episode. If you guys hear crashing and don't do that as Matt just <laughs> raised his hand to slap the video camera. Um, so, you know, Dell told me, he's like, yeah, well, you know, I clean houses. I, I laughed and I said, well, I think I need to hire a, a, some programmers. And the first thing that came to my mind was Manila because it's the only Filipino yeah. city I'd ever heard of. And I said, so what do I need to do? Do I need to go to Manila? And he goes, no, you need to go to Cebu. I said, what? Never heard of the place. It's the second biggest city in the Philippines.
0: It's the queen city of the south, man. Yeah. And and the oldest. Yeah. Five hundred years old city. Is it five hundred?
1: Five hundred years old. So
0: it's the Queen City of the South.
1: So he told me he's like, you know, it's like the he was like, it's like the Silicon Valley of the Philippines. It's the where all the technology is. So I did some research and I confirmed. I was like, oh wow, there really is a lot going there. There's three million people in this city. So I was like, I don't know what to do. Put an online ad up and put basically and an ad in the newspaper. And I got a whole bunch of replies. And during that process, um, Rico, the guy that, that replied um, during the job interview fixed the problem that my local programmer was having hired. Yeah. So I hired him. Yeah, exactly. And we, we accomplished our, what we needed to accomplish. And you know, over the next year, I ended up um, hiring some different people to do what most people would refer now to as virtual assistant work. Yeah. Back um, office work. Yeah. Yeah. And we had ended up adding another programmer and a couple people that did some admin stuff. And they were really instrumental to our success at the ticket company over the years and about halfway through the ticket company timeline because of the seasonal nature of that. I was looking for something for them to continue doing. And that's when we started building gigabook. So gigabook, um, started, you can read my book if you want the, the details, but yeah. it, it started, it, the idea came up for it right before I went to go get married. So about six years ago, but you know, so we went about that and, um, it was in 2016 that I met you, meaning you, Matt Watson. And I interviewed you for the book that I just described. That's right. Yep. So, if you want to learn all about Matt's story, you can read about it. I think there's 17 pages or something 19, like that. 19, yeah. Whatever. whatever it is. Yeah. You got way, way too much, way too many pages. I might have to rewrite that and put you down to like eight. No?
0: Yeah, that's fine.
1: It's the only 19 pages of my books that you've read. Yeah. Thank you for your support, by the way.
0: Hey, it makes a great doorstop.
1: Yeah. I know I've used it for, I, I, uh, <laughs> I posted a picture on Instagram. I when I was in San Francisco, I used about ten copies of the book to uh, prop up a microphone. I was like, writing books has lots of uses. But you know, Matt, when I first met you, the um, you were hesitant about the use of remote teams. I
0: was, yeah. And what were the reasons for that? Just you know, I mean, let's be honest. I think everybody knows somebody who has done offshore development or worked with somebody who does who has done it and has had a really bad. Um it, it just hasn't worked it, yeah. It, yeah it and nine times out of ten, it had to do with India. so sure. everybody knows somebody who tried to do some kind of software project in India and had a bad experience um and you know, you know, communication issues, English culture commun- all these things right you know that's what you think about and and so it just has a very negative sentiment. and so I never did it in my last company never did it. Uh, heard about people doing it, never did it, never tried it. Um, but at Stackify, actually, when Stackify first started, like in 2012 or 13, um, somebody I knew had had some developers in Russia, and we used a couple of those, and that worked really well for us. We were very successful with it, so that gave that changed my perspective a little bit. I'm like, okay, well that we made that work. Um, I actually at Ven Solutions, I did have a business partner from Poland and worked with a couple of developers in Poland and that worked well for us. Um, but we never, like our core development team was always in Kansas City. And then fast forward to about right before we started Full Scale, I had a couple of developers in South America yep. and had tried that route and that worked well for us. And so we had gotten a, you know, that had built a lot of confidence it kind of changed my opinion a little bit. We figured out how to work with a remote team, how to communicate with them and, and gained a lot of confidence, changed, changed my perspective, right?
1: Um, I think some of it too, was, and to give perspective is in about, about a month before we launched the podcast, I'd moved in here. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, you know, that was the late, that was in November of 2017. And over the next few months, you also saw that while it wasn't always ideal, we were finding a little, some success at a fairly low cost, but, yeah. but the development landscape got
0: way competitive. Well in a hurry. And and ultimately that's what started this for us at Stackfi, like at the very beginning of twenty eighteen. I needed to hire like ten people. I had, you know, some big projects I needed to do and there was just no way I could afford to hire those ten people in Kansas City. There's just no way. Yeah. It just wasn't even possible. Well and then you had also, also experiencing some turnover. We right? did. Yeah. We had we had some we lost three or four of our developers within a 90 day period. And our development team was not very big. Yeah. I was going to say, which is a significant part of the team. Our whole team was like eight to 10 people or something like that. And one of them got recruited away by Amazon guy picked up, moved his whole family to Seattle to go. I'm like, Hey, live your dreams, dude. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another one, another one of my, my guys um, he didn't leave, but he got um, recruited away from some company in California that just wanted him to work remote and was going to pay him a, fortune just to work from home, to work remote. Like, you know, it's very clear that developers these days, they get recruited by recruiters every week. They're probably getting emails, messages on LinkedIn, all that stuff every single week. They're very difficult to retain. And it's sort of an auction for who wants to pay the most amount of money for the talent. And for some of the guys in Kansas City, they get lured away to the coast because they're like, oh, we'll pay you a 200 grand a year. But then you move to Seattle and you quickly realize that like you've got to buy an apartment for like a million dollars. yep, And you can't get your kids in preschool because there's a three year waiting list and all the other bullshit that goes along with it. It's a whole different world. Right. And so now that guy is quickly realizing maybe he should have stayed here, but it's. And, and that
1: is, the, you know, that is kind of the fool's gold mentality. I mean, I just say that meaning like you see it and it looks like gold. It doesn't necessarily mean it's gold. Yeah, you don't necessarily make any yeah. more money because everything is yeah. so much more expensive, and it
0: really is. Now, but it's but there's but the but the point is there's a serious shortage. It's it's hard to find developers. It's it's even hard to retain them because everybody's trying to steal them away from yeah. you. And ultimately, what happens is you know there's big employers here in town, and I go and steal an employee from Garmin or Cerner or AMC H and R Block, one of these companies, right? And then they just steal somebody from somebody else. Yep. Right. We're just stirring the pot. We're just stealing each other's employees there's not net new, you know, enough people. All we can do is steal each other's. Yeah, We're just paying like IT recruiters to do that.
1: Yeah. We'll get back to that math in a minute. But at the, at this time in the timeline, so you and I had been discussing, you know, just different things that we could do together Mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs. And we're, I don't know, just kind of I don't know, throwing things out there. I mean, just to see what stuck to the wall. And we had talked about Gigabook at one point. The issue that I had at Gigabook was um, our potential burn rate was going to be a little higher than we would have liked it to have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was still a, a fairly early project. But much like, you know, you were you mentioned, like, I mean, here's the thing is, you, I mean, you got to pay. You got your businesses that need to eventually turn a profit. Yep. So... I had gone through all these different iterations and stuff like that. And, and it was in February and I remember it cause it was right around Valentine's day. Um, I was sitting at my kitchen table and I was like, Oh shit. I started doing the math. I was like, if we were able to put some developers and the, when I say office, We never truly had a quote office in the Philippines. Everybody worked from their home. They did, but they were all in the same city and there was intent behind that over the years so they could get together and they would, they get together about once a month and, you know, they'd have lunch or talk it out or do stuff like that. And they were able to, you know, they all knew each other, but we said, man, if we started an office and we put a few people in there for Stackify...
0: Mm-hmm. And we just did a little markup well, at that time, you already had one client you were doing work for
1: well, that was that yeah, but outside they are, of
0: Gigabook, they right? are still a client and but they it was were still a client at full scale, and it was still pretty minimal, but that, that but that kind of showed the model like it showed the model, the model but
1: but we knew it we knew it wasn't ideal, but all of a sudden, if we put that in there and we made this this uh win win situation between Gigabook and Stackify, yeah. meaning Gigabook just like basically. the math worked out and that it eliminated the burn rate or really extended that runway to the point that things would have really made sense. So that light bulb popped. And all of a sudden, I think you saw the same thing. You're like, okay, I could be involved in something that could grow in a couple of different ways and start building a team affordably. for.
0: So I lost some people here. I lost those three or four people. And for those, the cost of those three people I lost here, I was able to hire like ten people yeah. in this Philippines, yeah. right? And so that's kind of what happened. It's like, well, I freed up all this budget from these people who left. Um, sucks that they left, but I am going to take this budget and shift it and hire ten people.
1: But that isn't what we did right away, though. So, because initially, then, like you mentioned earlier, after not having gone to the Philippines for nine years, I, I, well, we saw this come up, and it took us only about a week at that point to get to get our signatures together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and theoretically, well, not theoretically, actually what happened is you become, you became the 50% owner of Gigabook LLC. Right. And so we were partners in that platform and off I went to the Philippines. Yep. And our first, our first priority was to just kind of like build a little bit of a dev team and open an office there. Which, yeah. And a
0: working space.
1: Which was, uh, and when we say a co working space, it wasn't like a traditional, like we work kind of thing. We found, uh, we found a, uh let say it's a mixed use building, but we had a, uh, we rented a room that was, feels like
0: more like apartments.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they were because some of the buildings, some of the, the places in there are actual condos, but it was also good. For, so we went over there and, and leased a spot that held up to 20, 20 people. people. Yeah. yeah. Which now is kind of laughable because yeah. we were like, God, are we going to be able to fill that up? So with that, that was the first priority and we hired five or six people. Yep. And they started working now amidst that. Um, then one of the things with, with is, and this is very common with uh, full scale clients now is, is you're not always ready to hire someone and have, have that team start the next day. Right. So you guys needed some, you were going to do some preparation and getting some arm, your arms around it. Um, and then on top of that, Um, well, we had to kind of figure out how to do things, but amidst recording this podcast and people we know, we immediately started running into people that were now at this point of our timeline, we had a line item called client services that we would, that was supposed to start about a year later in the timeline. It wasn't in our, it wasn't in our immediate purview. It was
0: like three weeks later.
1: Yeah. Well, it, well, it was like three weeks later that people started asking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with that, we had enough people asking, then I always talk about listening for the echo. Mm-hmm. So enough pe- people, people saying, I can't, I can't fill positions. It's too expensive for me. What do we need to do to get in on what you're doing in Cebu? And we were a little apprehensive at first, you know, we were like, well,
0: I guess we could try it. I think technically the first client we worked with, uh, had their employees started before Stackfy did. They did two of them, both yeah. of them. The, two of them did. Maybe we didn't hire. But, we didn't get my team hired yeah. quick enough. You know, early enough, or whatever. Like the the other, yeah. we actually hired a couple people. I actually
1: it. remember the dates. It was March fifth that the first new employees, and we were working at that point. We still had a small group of people that were my original mm-hmm. staff from two thousand nine. Now in the Philippines, you can't. You and I own a business in the Philippines, and um.
0: You know, we have you have to start that with other with Filipino citizens. We need to talk about this part of it because this this was one of the most interesting things. Is trying to figure out, okay, how the hell do you actually start a business yeah. in another country? Yeah, like that's like a whole other podcast. And it, I, I mean,
1: it really is. And you know, let's put it this way: it wasn't easy because we ran into some some issues yeah. that just because we don't know. Yeah, like, we, we had didn't no know. We had, to, we had to figure it out, and then the people there had to help us figure it out. And I mean, that's the that's the key ingredient. We'll get. Them, and,
0: and we had people there that weren't experts at any of this. No, they didn't know anything. Right. No. So we had to tell them like, go find a lawyer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then we had to, we had to hope they go find a good lawyer. Yeah. Cause they were the boots on the ground.
1: So, so with that, you, we were able to start, get started, um, in a, in a somewhat temporary status. Yeah. And you're, as long as you apply your paper, your, your application gets put in to start a business, you're okay to actually operate it until they get done processing that paperwork, which, by the way, was probably the biggest pain in the ass.
0: Well, here to get an EIN yeah. number, it takes like a day. A phone call. Yeah. We could get one. We could call right
1: now yeah. and have one in five Over minutes. Over there, it, it took months. Well, there they call it an SCC or SEC number, which is the problem is, is without that, you can't – we found that we couldn't open – Things like bank accounts. We couldn't right.
0: get, get
1: state sponsored uh, health insurance. We couldn't get HMO. We couldn't do a lot of things. And, you know, that, so we originally filed for that. And then, you know, three months later, and we're getting too far ahead in the timeline for the story, but we'll, anyway, with that, that became a challenge. So, but we blazed forward anyway. So it was, it was around April of 2018 when after we'd been doing it, you mentioned like we had about three weeks under our belt and we started, you know, seeing the opportunity when people were asking for help. And that's um, when, you know, someone local had, we said, you know what, maybe we should try this. And we referred to that as our beta client.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so with that, we hired a couple of people to work for that person. And you and I, along the way, we kept using the term world class. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yep. Yep. Like we wanted to make sure, and you know, I, I, I think that you and I have a uh both have strong reputations here in our local community and we were sensitive to not ruining them.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So we didn't we had no freaking clue what we were doing at that point. Is that fair to say?
0: Uh we didn't know what we didn't know.
1: We knew well, we knew what experience I had and what you had over the years, but past that we had to figure a lot out. So we hired a couple of people that started working for that first client. Um, it was about a month later that we brought in another client, which was around May.
0: And that was the second client. Our, 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 you know, the easiest part of all this was actually hiring software developers and getting them to work for our clients. Yeah. The hardest part was finding a fucking computer they could use. Yes. <laughs> Man. How, yeah. how many hours did we spend looking for laptops and going oh to the God, mall?
1: Dude. Well, first <laughs> off, I actually did go to the mall. Yeah. The first time through, and I always make this comment. This we is, forgot
0: about that part of it. Huh? Oh God!
1: <laughs>
0: so you go to the mall like four times in a day, and it takes like an hour cab ride. I every gotta time.
1: say that I really felt that buying <laughs> electronics in Asia
0: would be would easy. be
1: significantly easier. <laughs> like they
0: fall off the boat and out it of wasn't, China and they just float over. Or maybe, but, but no, it does But
1: we can talk about that for a second, though, because you know the any, any local economy, um, sells products that are, you know, the one they're popular to purchase for any number of reasons, right. but
0: price point has a lot to do. Nobody with it. there can afford a, a nice computer and we
1: want it well, or it was a little bit more of a stretch. Yeah. So you didn't just necessarily go to the mall and buy them because no. the quote mall shopper wasn't buying the high powered computers no. that we wanted to have. And now why, why was that important? Well, clients don't want their developers sitting there while the quote pinwheel is spinning, right. You know, and just sitting there waiting for a a
0: Celeron laptop with one gig of Ram. And,
1: but that's what now that's, what's readily available at the store. And then on top of it, there was also, you mentioned it taking forever. So for whatever reason, when you are buying electronics or most consumer products, they want to get them out of the box and show you that they work. And they will unpackage them. And so I remember the very first time I was there, we went over, we bought a couple laptops. It was that first trip. And I was like, what the hell are they doing? And, you know, the guy I was there with, me, he was like, oh, well, they want to show you they work. I'm like, Doesn't, isn't there a warranty?
0: Ain't nobody got time for this shit.
1: Yeah, so literally two laptops and two hours later,
0: I was like, oh my God. And then the next day. My we, my favorite though was when I was there, I bought a microwave and a coffee pot. Yeah. And they had to show that those work too. Yeah. And the, uh, I was like, Dude, are you going to brew some freaking coffee? Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Yeah. I, I don't even know how they tested the coffee pot, but they said it didn't work and they replaced it twice. And then for the microwave, they literally put the manual in the microwave yeah. and cooked the manual and then showed me that it was warm. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: I was like, what are we yeah. doing? Here? So imagine
0: going to Best Buy. <laughs> That's what
1: we're dealing with. And you're trying, to buy, <laughs> you're trying to buy a microwave and the guy there is like, hang on, let me unbox this. An and, hour later. And plug it in. <laughs> And now they're gonna put the owner's manual in it and turn it on for 15 <laughs> seconds to show you that it's warm. But this is a true story. This is yeah. really what it why it happens. Now, so I went and bought two laptops and learned this the hard way. And then we needed the next day, we well, we <laughs> went to buy a shitload of monitors, but yeah. they didn't have them in stock. Yeah. So I want I needed 15 monitors at that point. And uh we ordered them. They said, so We'll have them here the next day. And I had uh, I had him call back the next the after and say, Uh, you better get those all out and test them before we get there. Cause if I get there and you haven't done that, I'm not buying any of them. So we got there the (laughs) next day and and they had already done that. And I got, (laughs) but man, I, yeah, that was still the thing that was challenging and we did overcome
0: that. So I just have this picture of you at the computer store and like a wall of 15 monitors and there's like karaoke on all 15 of them, and you're like singing and dancing. That is not
1: how it went, because actually when I went <laughs> there, they had already had them all ready to go. They helped us carry. I like them.
0: the karaoke vision better. Like yeah, doing it was.
1: Karaoke with, so yeah, the, <laughs> at and, the mall. But the, the problem became as you know, like you talk about equipment, it
0: became very difficult to find some of it. We ended up. The, it, but the point is, it was, it was easy for us to actually find developers and train them and say, hey, work for so and so. You know, go yep. write some Ruby code or whatever. All this other shit was the stuff that was yeah. mind-boggling, like yeah. getting our license, getting all the legal stuff, yeah. opening a bank account, finding computers—like yeah. the shit you would never even think of to be difficult was the difficult
1: things. Yeah. So, and to kind of sum up that story, it took four months for us to have officially formed the business. Voltron. Yeah, Voltron <laughs> <laughs> to have officially formed the the business in the Philippines. Um, And eventually, you know, that did happen. And like I said, it did take four months, um, which once that occurred, we were able to then open a bank account and do payroll and a whole lot of other stuff. And so much happened during that period. So we ended up bringing on uh, client one, client two, and Stackify was client three. right? And that's what we then focused that on and started, you know, bringing, bringing the team online there. Now, we had a a funny and interesting moment in the middle of June because, you know, I like to dive into my my plans and my projections, and I started doing the math. And I was like, okay, wait, this makes a lot of sense on paper. And I started kind of modeling out what ended up becoming full scale. We didn't have a name for it or anything. But I started realizing that now I think it's fair to say that Uh, Up until that point, we knew that there was an issue with what we'll call talent, local talent. Sure, yeah. But I don't think either one of us had any clue how pronounced the talent shortage was until we started doing this. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's...
1: I mean, I knew that there was a little bit of an issue, but I just thought it was related to cost. I didn't realize that there were literally like a couple hundred thousand empty tech jobs that were considered... Unfillable due to people not being available
0: well, to do them. Well, and so this is the misnomer. Is sure there's, sure there's two hundred thousand people in Kansas City that would love to be software developers, and if you want to hire them and train them, you could. But as a, as a company trying to write software, I need people who can actually do the job and do it now and do it now. Yeah, I can't, not a five year plan to it, fill and, it. And know. so here's the problem at Stackify. My best developers make one hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty thousand dollars a year. Okay. I can't afford to pay them to basically sit around all day and train an apprentice or yeah. rookie. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. I can't, I can't afford to do that. Yeah. And then that rookie, as soon as they get a little bit of experience is going to get hired away from me to then go work for some other company. Like it is, it almost doesn't even make sense for me to train people because they, they leave, they're all free agents. Yeah. And, and that's, what's hard about the model with employing talent like this, that you have to really train is they can walk out the door at any time. Well, I think that we you should invest t- so much in them and then they leave. It's so, hard. so a lot of things
1: in the software market change. I, I really attribute the internet of things and a lot of other, a lot of other stuff to the rapid, uh, growth and need for software developers. Like all of a sudden things that never had software. Like we talk about the drinking fountain manufacturer yeah. that, did con- that did some consulting for it, 160 years old. And I asked the founder, who's like a fifth generation or sixth generation owner, I'm like, did you ever think you would have software in a drinking fountain? He was like, fuck no. Yeah. I never thought that. But
0: that's someone has to develop that and well, someone and, has to deal with it. And, and the key is all these people need senior developers. They, right. need, ta- they need people right. who have five years experience. They, yep. It's not like, oh, we have a somebody who graduated high school yesterday and they have a dream of being a software developer. You can't hire that person and put them to work on day one. Yeah, and so that, the, That's the problem you have. So
1: the question is, is why are these people readily available in somewhere like Cebu? And that's, it's a simple answer because 30 years ago they were doing what I'm now seeing them do for my three and five year old, Yeah, which is what we like to call STEM and steam and all this stuff. Yeah. But it's a, it's a generation. It's a generation away from having a true solution.
0: They knew that 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 industry was a huge opportunity for their entire, you know, economy. Yeah. they you know they have millions of people in the Philippines that work in call centers. Yeah. You know in Cebu there are call centers for Amazon and eBay. Which and plays very well, but and which plays, which and,
1: plays very well for one of the needs that we have a very strong
0: requirement around and that's English language. Skills. Yeah. Most people don't never Whenever I talk to me about the Philippines, I never realized that. And I'm like, did you know it's the third largest English speaking country in the world? There's a yeah, hundred, a hundred million people live there.
1: What's the second? Canada?
0: Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. USA. But yeah, the Philippines. It might have been is, Australia.
1: Could be. I don't remember. So, you know, the the thing was, is we find that there, everyone does speak English there. In fact... English is the official business language of the Philippines when we four months later when we finally did get that paperwork back all in English yep all in English. and everyone there is you know we continue to go so I went there that first time you went ended up going there with me when in June I think it was June we went together we went together and it was uh you know and that's uh, I leave
0: next week so that'll be like the first week in November of 2019 when when uh, is what I'm talking about It'll be my tenth trip yeah since then. and I've gone a, a the next one will be my sixth. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So it'll be 10 trips yeah. for me in like 16 months, 17 months.
1: But we find a very, a very user-friendly experience for Americans. It's very easy to communicate. Most of the signs are in English. Like you go to a restaurant, it's all in English. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a key ingredient that it's able, that we're able to communicate with not only locally. Um, you know, then I think that I, there, there was a. I I don't know. I've never felt insecure about anything when I've been over there. It's been very easy for me to, uh, to get around. It's been easy for me to communicate. It's been easy for me to do a heck of a lot of stuff that in some cases could be a little harder to do. So, but I think I want to tell the funny story about, so I I had done the math and I was like, and I saw the demand and you did too, of all these people asking, because at this point we had a couple of clients that we're doing really well with that and let's be realistic Kansas City is a small town are small enough it's smaller than Cebu it is and uh, you know we're out talking to a whole lot of people and doing a whole lot of things and we realize there's a big opportunity here but I invited you to lunch and we walked across the street to Charleston's, right. and I sat down and I said Matt I don't think I should spend any time on Gegabook. and you, <laughs> you said I just bought half the company I said but I think we should be that <laughs> was just fucking with you a little, yeah. little bit But I was like, I really think that we're on to something with this services thing. And there's a huge opportunity there. And look at the way that, you know, we were, you and I are, had been, well, both Gigabook and Stackify. You're, what, what is the average, uh, you guys have a 25 and a $50 product?
0: Yeah. Average customer pays, you know, 200 something dollars a month.
1: But but with that you can be as low as twenty five. Can yeah can be. So you look at how many with software as a service Mm -hmm. you are stacking up twenty dollar bills or whatever. And you know, gigabooks average user is like spends thirty five bucks a month. Yeah. And it's a lot of work to start start piling that up, and then all of a sudden we realize we're like, wow, we can be stacking up revenue at four and five thousand dollars a seat. Yeah. And it made a lot of sense, but, um, that's, you know, and I, I, I said, Hey, I think this is what, what I should probably be spending all my time on. And you were like, okay, great. it's okay. Well, we're going to have to form a business around this. We didn't even have a name. Yeah. And, uh, it was actually you that came up with the name full scale. I did. Um, and, uh, we immediately moved to purchase Full fullscale.io okay. as com was not available.
0: And that's when we really... Let the fuse and then se. and the name was all about helping businesses scale yeah you know as when when you're really tightly resource constrained as a company you can never kind of get to full scale you can't yeah. scale up your team and that's our goal is to help people scale
1: yeah and with not that,
0: replace the team and, right it's and, just help scale it
1: correct correct and that's a big thing is and i tell people that a lot is we're not trying to send job local jobs anywhere there aren't people to do a lot of these jobs so we want to do a couple of things well our goal was to do a couple of things the first just being able to make a, a turnkey experience for a software company to have a team of expert developers yeah and so we set about that and we wrote an outline we realized that we had to get good at recruiting we had to be masters at assessing like when i say assessing like is this person a poser are they mm-hmm. an expert? You gotta be
0: able to identify talent.
1: So, you know, we started getting to work with that. We also determined that if we couldn't retain the people, then there wasn't much of a point. So, you know, the whole time, even from the very first office that we grabbed, um, we said we didn't want it to feel like a call center. Yeah. And that meant like employees had to have room they had the the first employees we hired i i asked them. i said tell me the things that you don't like or you didn't like about your past employers and tell me a few things that you did like and it was very overwhelmingly like the things they didn't like was often the equipment they worked on it was the place that they worked in and it was the vibe that they felt about themselves as employees they had treated like cattle yeah they weren't appreciated to the point that they could ever should have been so that was a really easy solution. We just did the opposite. Yep. And the things they did like was, you know, having an op- having an opportunity to work with some autonomy and and feel uh, feel, you know, the places they work where they they felt valued and had access to things like good healthcare and you know. So we started doing a lot of stuff, and some of it we modeled around our own experience here. But I like to say that we went into Cebu with a Silicon Valley approach, meaning best offices, best benefits, best equipment that we could, you know, that fit our model. And that's exactly what we did. And man, I'll tell you what, after starting in July of last
0: year, that's when it really took off. Well, it's the same issue here. If you want to attract good talent here in Kansas city, you know, I've got to have good health insurance, 401k, 401k matching, you know, all these things, right. Or I can't attract top talent because they can go work somewhere else and get those things. So You know, in Cebu, we've got to have really good work environment and benefits and attract top talent, retain them. So, yeah, it's no different.
1: So at that point, we still only had about 20 some employees. But all of a sudden, the word was out. We had a whole lot of people asking. We're like, shit, how are we going to keep up with this? So we started hiring people. We started bringing on new clients. We started doing a lot of it. And, you know, we grew really fast. It was like
0: September, October, November last year or something. Yeah. was insane.
1: We grew really fast. We had
0: like 100 people or something. It
1: was, yeah. We went up, we we <laughs> ballooned up to now. We Yes. I mean, and at that point, all of a sudden we were like, holy shit, we need to hit the brakes. Because um, we started realizing there, you know, all of a sudden, there's a big difference between running a company that has twenty or thirty people in it and one that has a hundred. Yeah. Um, what? Well, you need different things. You need different types of management, leadership. You have Processes. HR components, and then there's also legal requirements, like weird things that we realize. Like, if you're running an office that has over a hundred people in it in the Philippines, you have to have a nurse on staff. Yeah. Why? Because you have to have just a local. I mean, that's and that's not something we were used to here. So every day we were learning a hell of a lot of stuff. We also had to do things like provide healthcare and HMO and different stuff. And it was like, you know, it was a whole learning process. Definitely a learning experience. The thing that was, that was, um, I think one of the most challenging in the beginning, and we've had more turnover in management early on than anything else. And why that's because we knew, exactly the way that we wanted the company to go and the way that we wanted it to, the vibe we wanted in the office. And we didn't always get that right Mm -hmm. away. So, um, you know, we had some, uh, we'll say missteps uh, with internal communication, which we quickly, you know, created. But I think one of the things that was the most pivotal was we started realizing, holy shit, if we don't get our arms around this, this could get out of the way in a hurry. And we started building our own management system yeah. for it, um, which provided a couple things. One, we started moving towards, you know, having that that management system, which we refer to as rocks, um, and you know that it's because it rocks. But the uh, um, you know we there wasn't a, a quote software product that was going to do everything we needed. Um, but then also importantly, the nature of our business is that n- if you want to sell more stuff, you have to have certain people available, which we refer to as the bench. And these are people that are unassigned with clients and stuff like that. So, you know, with that, we also moved towards moving to, to an actual office, yeah, which was supposed to be open in November and didn't actually open until close to March of 2019, yeah. which then forced us not we didn't have a point at that so at this point um and this was about a year ago in the late 2018 we had our original office we had found five more of them in Uh the same building which was a lego castle at best and when i say lego castle i mean the kind that are built from three different sets of legos you spend a lot of time going up and down the elevator yeah i want there was one one time when i was there one day when i walked seven miles oh my gosh Cause you'd going up and down the halls, you're going up stairs, the elevators back and forth and just a whole bunch of different stuff. But yeah, so we had stacked that up, but we ended up, uh, um, procuring two floors and a local it park. That was a whole nother experience too, man. The whole process of, of real doing
0: construction and doing construction
1: and all this different stuff. And just like really realizing, I mean, we say a lot that
0: we had podcast episodes about that.
1: We did. Uh Yeah. Leasing a a skyscraper. Um, which was an interesting experience. Um, it was different. And I've done a lot of that stuff here, but man, I always say people are like, well, what's it like to own a company in the Philippines? It's the same, but different. Yeah, And I know that's like overly general, but it's so true. It's just like that one little nuance that's a little different, but really around that same time, that was kind of a, um, a, a blessing in disguise because it let us shift our focus. We, we found the management and leadership we have now, which have done a great job. Um, Lexmark did us a huge favor by not, by getting out of the consumer printer game. Yes. So Lexmark has a, had a huge presence in Cebu, but then, I mean, Lexmark has in the printer company and they shifted to only doing enterprise stuff. So with that, they have, they cut in half their staff and that released a lot of people that had worked for that company for like 20 years. And we hired several people that were managers there. And, uh, once we got them in place, uh, things were that we still had a lot of shit to figure out, but we, uh, and by the way, managing a company that had a hundred people in it, it, that were all working in six different rooms on five different floors
0: across multiple different, uh, time schedules.
1: Yeah. And, oh yeah. That's another thing too, is across multiple time schedules was a real challenge. So we ended up moving into our new office. That was a bit of a, and that's where we're at now, but that was, that was a challenge. And, you know, just dealing with all of that. Um, I mean, and then on top of it, um, let's be realistic, there it was difficult to
0: manage cash flow. Yeah.
1: You know, like we've had to learn a lot of things and we're just now, especially
0: the construction, because you've spend, you know, a couple hundred grand or whatever, up front so
1: and you have no timing on know, it, buy and furniture
0: and all construction of the construction costs, all the
1: equipment, and deposits. And, And there's just weird things that'll affect that. Like give you an example, like an exchange rate, an exchange rate can go up and down by a percent in a day or something. And it doesn't seem like a lot until you're transferring $150,000 and 2% would be $3,000. Yep. Um, So, you know, dealing with a lot of different stuff like that, but we eventually got that all stable, you know, stabilized. And, you know, one of the things we didn't mention is, is that earlier this year, Meaning, at the beginning of 2019, we started building our own brand, and that was, you know, because here's the thing: is you know, as it sits, got 180 people over there, yeah, and our sales have grown significantly. Um, and you know, we did a lot of things that, well, they, you know, me, I don't always take the the road most traveled when it become when it comes to marketing, but well, um, our our
0: first customers. You know, when you go back to the summer of 2018, we're a lot of kind of friends and family. Yeah. Network referrals, you know. And then at the beginning of 2019, we started doing the sweet and greets and stuff yeah. like that and um, met a lot of other local entrepreneurs and potential customers at those events. And
1: well, we kind of ran out of the – I mean, the friends and the family thing mm-hmm. and locals. I mean, those those definitely helped us validate the yep. model. But, you know, that's only going to go so far. Yep, um, And – so, you know, what, where that, you know, we had to start doing some things and, you know, I've, I, 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 you know, let's, I think that there's one thing that we realized along the way is that there had to be some differentiator between us and every other company that does this gold shoes. We maybe, maybe, but, uh, that is one of them, but you talk about that and it's, it's part of the differentiation was you and I. And just meaning, like, it gave our clients, uh, our new clients, or prospect, prospective clients, um, a little more confidence.
0: Well, let's be honest. There are a thousand other companies that do what we do. Yeah. Right? So, you know, at Stackify, I get emails. Every other day from somebody in India yep. or Ukraine or wherever that does software development like this. Yeah. I don't know who any of them are. Right. I don't trust them. I know nothing about them, right? And trust is a key word it's, there. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the key to full scale is, is having all the networking locally so everybody knows who we are. And if they need a service like ours, that we're top of mind, right? Yeah. And we're a local, trusted, you know, partner for them Yeah, and instead you- of some random person that emailed them. Well,
1: you mentioned it, you know, at the beginning of the year and Matt mentioned the word sweet and greet. You know, I did I had I had some they were kind of wild ideas at the time, but we say sweet and greet, I I felt that if we wanted to network with local businesses that we could do so very effectively by being able to do so and give those people an experience. So we we leased suites. We did one at the Kansas City Royals, we did one at the Sprint Center, which is where they do local concerts. I'm going to see Celine Dion tonight with 14 Well, say seven and a plus one, seven different people from seven different businesses that um, may or may not use full scale. But we put all these people in a room together and we make it very non solicitive, you know, like, hey, come hang out with some of your peers, bring a guest, bring your wife, bring your husband, bring whomever, bring someone else and, you know, have a good time. But I felt that that experience based marketing would go a long way. I did. It did. And honestly, this podcast sure didn't hurt either. Sure. Yeah.
0: The podcast has been a good marketing channel for us. It,
1: it's been good for a lot of reasons. We've actually had a lot of clients that have reached out um, for, you know, just from listening to uh-huh. this and some of our guests. From all over the world. Yeah. Some of our guests have been. Um, yeah. And I mean, we have we have clients in Australia, Canada, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. Which I believe is part of the United States, still sort of, yeah. And we got them all over the U.S., but yeah, this has really uh, grown up and become a real mature thing. Mm-hmm. I think that um, another thing that was really important was that at one point we really we made the uh, um, we made the decision that we were only going to uh, most of our employees are senior, yeah, Or senior developers, need senior and, talent. Yeah, we, we brought on some people, and I don't like to call anybody in our office mid or junior level. Cause they're all really talented but it, it became really apparent that all of our clients really just wanted senior developers they want people who can get shit done yeah and that they don't have to babysit and i think that most mature businesses and let's talk about that our, our we have we have clients now so your team at stackify is over 20 people
0: it's right about twenty. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's and much like some of our clients, you've scaled that up and scaled it down yeah. over time. And that's one of the the conveniences that we offer is, you know, we don't have a long length of contract. You can end your contract with us in 30 days, which by the way was a bold decision. Yeah. Cause it doesn't exactly like I mean, that makes it potentially unstable, but we don't see our clients go. And here we
0: are a year and a half later, and we've retained ninety percent of our clients. Well, so it's like at Stackify, we had a bunch of work we needed to do. We scaled up, and then since we've scaled down a little yeah. bit, but yeah. we still have. I mean, at one time, I think maybe we had closer to thirty people. Yeah, we went from thirty down to twenty.
1: And you found a lot of success. You guys launched a lot of new mm-hmm. uh, profilers, as you call them.
0: Yeah, but, we've done a lot of stuff,
1: and that's been uh, been really good. You know, I've as the as still the the leader of our biz dev, um, I've done so much. Recommend a big part of my job is recommending to people, like just telling them what. I'm able to tell people what our most successful clients are, are doing as far as a structural standpoint. But that's yeah. another thing, too, is it's made it easier on us as we realized really early that we weren't providing a lot of value by being a conduit between uh, our clients and the developers. So we got the hell out of the way. and I created a term called guided development, yep. um, which I don't think everyone was in love with at the time, but it makes a lot of sense because our clients have to guide their development. And it made it, uh, it made it easier for us. You know, it was one less layer of management, uh, improved transparency. And really, in the end, our clients just wanted to be able to have direct
0: access to the people on their team. When you're, when you're doing software development, so much of it is about communication yeah. and, you know, the developer understanding what we're trying to do, why we're trying to do it, all that stuff. And the worst thing you can do is put additional layers, yeah. you know, playing the telephone game. Right. Between you and the developer, you want to get, you know, directly with them and let them ask the questions and answer them and let them get to work. Yeah. Not have like, you know, a project manager and stuff like that in the way just makes it really difficult.
1: Yeah. And that, and that really improved, you know, and so I don't pass up on it. I also want, there was one other marketing, um, approach we started a year ago with our content marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Writing articles, which has become significant. A lot of blogging. Yeah, and that is that is actually um, most people think that the podcast is our biggest source of lead gen. Is it's actually blogging.
0: One of the coolest things yeah. I saw was we had written some article about trends in offshore development or something like that, and it got picked up by TechCrunch. Yeah, was referenced by TechCrunch. It's a talent shortage article. Talent. Yeah, and that yeah. was
1: really cool. I was like, wow. It's been picked up by a whole lot of other people. I was since just like, then. wow. Yeah. Which, by the way, is part of what's really helped our SEO. That article is still um, well. I, I don't mind sharing. So at this point, and you know, we're here. We are right around Halloween of 2019. I mean, we've we're getting over 20,000 organic visits a month from the blog articles we've yeah. written, and we write all of those articles with local writers there in that office in Cebu. Yeah, I mean, we don't have. There's not a whole lot. I mean, other than a few like you know, mild changes in direction as far as like the, the way the articles were set up. I mean, for most part, that's on autopilot too. Yeah. Content marketing works so well. That's yeah. What we've and, talked a lot
0: about And you and I had episodes. a,
1: we had a pretty strong history of that, but we needed to, you know, and th- that's one of those things that takes time to bake. Yeah. Um, but it really has. And so, you know, that's, that's gone well. Now here we are at the end of 2019 and man, I'm as bullish as can be about the future. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we've had to exhibit patience, which isn't always our strong suit. Um, But with that, um, we've stayed the course. I feel like we've built a very strong brand here locally. We get more leads uh, weekly now. Like I look back at a year ago and, you know, the leads were largely you and I stirring up people. And now they're coming from all different directions. And you know, we've built our management system out. I'm really proud of how we profile our employees, and the you know our employee prof- profiles are are top notch. Yeah, and for those who are listening, they sort of look like a resume. Yeah, right, and they're they're super cool. Yeah, and you know, we're opening a client portal that helps you search for resources within our employee database, and you know, a whole lot of other stuff. And you know, the there it wasn't always easy. I mean, this has been a stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, at times, been remarkably stressful, um, but you know you have to keep on keeping on.
0: And it's crazy to think uh, we have a business that has you know one hundred and eighty employees or, or whatever the number is today, you know, eight thousand miles away. Yeah, which right. is crazy, right? It's crazy, and and that's and it has its own complications. It had well just because and, of that,
1: and we've always said, man, there is no such thing as a business without problems, yeah. and ours have you know been been, well, we've hired a lot of really great people. And I think that has so much to do with it. Just hiring professionals
0: and people that care. And that took a little while to figure yeah. out,
1: but we, we did figure it out. It is,
0: and we talk about this a lot. It's a key with a lot of the startups, you know, our guests in, that we have on the show, it's hiring the right people. Yeah. I mean, that's a theme over and over and over. And, you know, even at Stackify, that's part, that's been problems we've had in the past. It's like not having the right people.
1: And I think one of the so. things too is, you know, even though it, sometimes you you have to live in a now economy, was always taking some time and and you know looking at you know you can't. One of my early mentors used to say, "Don't sacrifice the long term on the altar of the immediate." Right. And that you know that's, it's hard to realize you. Oh, we could probably grow this even faster, but then what? But then what? And we were, I mean, we were worried that as fast as we were growing prior that, you know, you could get Lord of the Flies
0: in a hurry. And at at some point you want the growth to be manageable, right? So you don't want to, we don't want to hire 50 people a month and then like just all sorts of insanity of all all the things, right? It needs to be manageable.
1: So, and then, you know, we've always, we've always been transparent. I mean, we didn't always make money doing this. I mean, we're just now starting to reap some of the benefits from Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, with that, we, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've put in a significant amount of money, we meaning largely you. um,
0: And, you know, these debts need to be repaid. And uh, it takes capital, you know, service businesses are easier to build. I mean, we could have grown even slower and maybe not needed much capital. But when you're like, oh, we need to hire, you know, 50 people over three months. Well, I got to go buy 50 laptops. Yeah. And I got to get office space for all of them. Like it requires a lot of capital. Yeah. And with that, and thank you, um, you know, with that,
1: I mean, I look back at it and, you know, it's, uh, you know, as Matt and I own the business 50, 50 still to this day. And, you know, some of that, it's just like, and, but what makes success as founders is, you know, like we've, we've been able to let each other focus on what we're good at. I'm good at selling stuff. promoting it and stuff like that. And, you know, as, and and at one point I had to hire a lot of wear a lot of hats, bringing Daryl, our COO and relieved me of a hell of a lot of that. That was a Mm -hmm. huge game changer for us. And Daryl was once the intern in million dollar bedroom. So take your internship seriously. You might end up as a COO of a, of a, of a big ass company. Now um, I expect between now and one year from now or the end of 2019 for us to be approaching 400 employees. That'd be crazy. Yeah, but it's it's funny. It means we have
0: got to hire. It's only like, it's fifteen a month, fifteen to twenty people yeah. a month.
1: Yeah, and we are we're at the point of of demand of needing
0: that, and we may at that. When point, do we start building a skyscraper?
1: Well, we're we've already got part of one. I don't know if we want to build one. And then, are we going to build a penthouse on the top of the skyscraper? That that on some days sounds like a decent idea, and sounds like a horrible one on others.
0: Yeah, if it's eight thousand miles away, it doesn't sound very useful
1: yeah well it'd be useful when we're there <laughs> i'll tell you what that by the way if you're wondering it is a th- it is 30 to 35 hours of travel to get there depending on the routes and the planes and the layovers but it's when intense. i go it's only 28 well you get you get the director out but if you get yeah. delayed on any part of that then it's longer i mean it's sometimes you don't get a choice sometimes the the like the last time i went I didn't, if I wanted to leave on a specific day, I had one flight option. I ended up with a fucking 12 hour layover in Hong Kong where I then discovered the micro hotel, which was awesome. (laughs) That was like, if I hadn't had that, I I w I might've come back going, man, I don't know when I'm going back, but you know, you've, you've been built a lot better for the travel, but you being able to go over there and do that um, was really helpful because you know, you had, the team you had at stack by and then the ability to help with full scale. Yeah. And that, and you talk about having, finding the good dynamic and what works that enabled me to stay here and focus on sales. Right.
0: Yep. And I could go over there and go to the mall and buy laptops.
1: Yeah. And wait, and, and cook owner's <laughs> manuals and microwaves. And yeah, I guess yeah. we should point out, we didn't buy another microwave after that. Did we <laughs> I sent somebody else to do that? Yeah, I know it was crazy, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's been a crazy ride and, and, you know, kind of, it's funny and, and, we originally became business partners to do one thing. I spend very little time on Gigabook now. Right, yeah. I mean, very little. And we've actually, in some ways, pivoted that. We've started using that code base to give birth to other projects. Yep, yep, yep. And that's that's turned into a profit center for us that was maybe not. We always mentioned that that was a possibility, but now it's, and, you know, we have some fun and cool announcements coming up with that soon. But, yeah, I guess we got to finish with the Founders Freestyle.
0: Oh. Yeah. You know, I guess looking back at the full-scale story, you know, one of the things you hear about is um, like doing the things that don't scale, right? And a lot of the work that we had to do in the early days with full-scale was the work that didn't scale, right? It was easy to hire people to go write code, but we had to go to like to the mall and buy laptops. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because as the founders, that was the shit we had to do, right? And by the way – We had to go figure out the things. By the way, we ended up handling that because we finally found a reliable distributor. Eventually we did, yeah. 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 And then you learn that you buy them from Manila and it takes like 10 days to ship them by boat and like all the weird shit, but yeah, all the things, but you know, so much of what we had to do was, was a lot of complicated work that our employees couldn't do figuring out all the legal things, HR and payroll and bank accounts and like management stuff. Like it wasn't doing the work you and I didn't need to write the code for our customers. That was the easiest part. Yeah, It was all the management of the business that was complicated and I just had to do all these weird things that just didn't know what, what you were going to do. It's like every every week was a new challenge of just trying to figure out, like, in the early days, you were paying people with PayPal, yeah. right? Because we can do payroll, yeah. you know, because we uh, weren't, you know, a fully licensed business and everything yet. So all, just all the, all the weird stuff, but you just have to endure through it, right? So now you look, you know, we're getting almost a couple of years later now it's a well oiled machine in many ways, yeah, but there's still new challenges right there's you know still new things that come up, gotta figure out how to do so um it's it's definitely been an interesting journey, and all the international side of it has been really really interesting
1: really yeah interesting. I agree, I agree. I think to round this out, I mean, I think much like Matt said, there was so many interesting things we had to learn. And, you know, I feel like you and I both had this amazing set of experience that like kind of applied. It was like, just like, I don't know, it was like one slot away from being fully fulfilled, but that other, that, that missing slot was pretty significant. And we've had to learn a lot about culture. We've had to learn a lot about people. Um, and we've had to learn a lot about doing business. Um, the, you know, and areas that Matt mentioned. Um, the thing I'm excited about is, you know, sometimes when you're and I mentioned that the now economy, we did stay true to the long term. And now all of a sudden we find ourselves in a position where we've built a very strong brand. Um, our demand is at the moment exceeding our our supply, mm-hmm. um, which is okay. Um, because we've built the uh, the infrastructure to grow even faster than we've grown before, right? And that's been the key ingredient
0: that that well, I th- most businesses that you get you get to kind of a plateau and you got to level off and you got to figure okay, how do we do business at this stage, right? And you go to the next stage, and it feels like we're ready. You know, we're kind of hitting that the stage we're at, and next year, like beginning of twenty nineteen. 2020 we'll be ready, or 2020, yeah. we'll be ready to plow ahead to the next stage.
1: Yeah. And because, and we've been, and I mentioned building that, that infrastructure, you know, building a comp, our own management yeah. system, which has been, is really deep and sophisticated at this point in some places, are very straightforward, um, finding and developing the culture. I think that's the thing that in the end, um, really made this happen was our insistence to be, to be, insistent on having a good work culture, having a great place to work. And with that, our employees became our top recruiter. Yep. And we developed a strong, um, a strong reputation in Cebu, a place where people wanted to work. Um, you know, and we've had to learn things about HR and different stuff, but we continue to, um, want to build, you know, we, we, we want to have a strong presence there, but also let them be themselves. Yep. And, and, you know, with that, that's made things a lot easier. And then also, you know, us complimenting like Daryl leading the charge for, do you know how many operate operating documents and like all the stuff that I hate to do? And I know you do too. I don't like, want to know. I know. I mean, dude, I don't know either. Cause I'm just like, Hey man, take care of it. But you know, you have to When you have a fresh startup or anything you're doing that isn't a franchise, you don't get an owner's manual. So we had to write a fucking owner's manual. So thank you for all the people that did that so I didn't have to. But anyway, if you want to hear – and by the way, I am going to – so the Million Dollar Bedroom book stops at GigaBook. And and I had published that before any of this came out. At some point, I am probably going to have to write – another chapter onto this mm-hmm. because it is all relevant. And I think in the end, as I close this out, you know, keep in mind that anything you're doing right now might just be another link in the chain to something. You're yeah. Doing later. You never, yeah. Like, you never
0: know where, Yeah, What you learn from something or you, you pivot a little bit or, and
1: you know, it would have been easy for me uh, many times during the, the ticket business to not have our employees in the Philippines. Those folks are on our board of directors. now. Well, just
0: think if you, if you never would have (laughs) written your book and interviewed me, right? we probably never would have, you wouldn't be here. here. Yeah. Maybe even the podcast and different
1: stuff, like it all, all these things just kind of add up. And then you know, you look back at them and sometimes some of them worked. Sometimes they were huge hits. Like Sweet and Greet's been a huge hit. It's well, been a huge hit. And so and, and then the podcast, too. And for all of you that are still listening to this episode, thanks. 200 episodes later. Thank you.
0: So there's a couple more things we need to do. Oh, no. We need to eat lunch. It's about lunchtime. But we need to do Rochambeau to see who's buying lunch. Oh, all right. Are you ready for this? Yeah, but hang on. Let me
1: give it a little preface here. all okay. All right. So for those of you that didn't listen to the early episodes, from episode zero to 50, we often, about every other episode, would play rock, paper, scissors. Matt, you somehow lost 18 in a row. Yeah, I have a feeling you're going to fucking win one here because <laughs> you are. Are you
0: ready? All right. Ready?
1: Oh! Wow. Watson wins. We tied on paper, paper, and then Watson, you finally won. I win. Congratulations! You're now like one in (laughs) twenty. Damn it! It's all right. I see. That's why I refused to play. But here on episode 200, more than in. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Congratulations on finally winning. By the way, I'm undefeated. That said, see you all next time. See ya.